Hello and welcome to Stories, the True and the Fiction, a podcast that dives into the stories of people's lives, everyday people like you and me, or even famous people throughout history. But we want to get you, the listener, involved as well. So if you have stories, things that have happened to you, amazing things, hilarious things, random things, whatever it may be, send your stories to the true and fictional at gmail.com. So until then, we're going to dive into some of the interesting true stories from modern history and beyond. So strap in, it's story time. Well, it's another week, another episode. Hello and welcome. Maybe you should do the intro for now. Maybe I should. But just that line and then it'll switch to me. <laughs> and make it a bit weird. Um, anything happen to you this week that's funny, Ryan? Um, I got a COVID test. That wasn't funny. Well, were you negative? Negative, yes. Okay, yeah, unfortunately, yeah. Yes. Oh, not unfortunately, unfortunately, <laughs> I was negative. I was negative. I just drove up to a random person, they shoved the stick up my nose and said, off you go. And then I actually went and got a proper COVID test because <laughs> wow. I realised that was just a homeless person on the side of the road. It's just one of my DNA for cloning purposes. Oh, okay. So, yeah. cloning on, you know, you know how it is. Well, you got to help the community. But no, nothing funny. Just a lot of lot of gaming, a lot of working, a lot of not a lot of sleeping. And that's about it. What about you, James? Well, oh, don't call me that. <laughs> well, um... This guy at work had a birthday. Okay. Um, and the, I didn't know that until like the day after when yeah. his sister, technical sister-in-law, runs up and hugs him. He goes, oh, happy birthday. And then I walk past and go, oh, happy birthday, man. And he's like, yeah, I got your message yesterday. I went, what? I didn't send you a message. And he goes, you didn't send this. And he pulls out his phone, shows me this message. And it was like, happy birthday. Hope you have a great day. Love, Jamie. And I'm like, for starters... I wouldn't say love Jamie. Are you sure about that? <laughs> I'm very sure. I'm very businesslike, even in birthday messages. Okay. Um, regards, and then, Jamie. So, so all that time he thought I sent him this lovey dovey <laughs> birthday message. <laughs> and I'm like, no, that's not my number. I don't have your number. So now um, he's somewhere out there, some Jamie's crying in, the, in an alleyway. No, apparently he said he figured out it was another mate. And I go, oh, okay. so it was another mate, it was another dude. And he goes, yeah. And I go, what? Yeah. Some awkward feelings there That's for you, mate. Um, yeah, and my boss put a rat in with a hibernating snake. That was fun. <laughs> How no, did no. that go? Well, the snake was hibernating. The rat was big <laughs> and thought it would like to have a little meal. <laughs> um, yum, yum, yum. Now no one knows where the snake is. So In the rat's belly? No, because they got rid of the rat. Oh, okay. I don't know what they did with the rat, but where where do they normally keep the snake in a case? Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. No, no, it's like it's like in a cage. Yeah, but obviously the like the boss loves his or the owner loves the um he's got his herbs and his special remedies and herbs in brackets. No, oh, actually, <laughs> no comment. We're live. Um, yeah, so he pours like look. If you've got a sprained ankle, there's this health thing you can do. It's got Swedish bitters. You rub it on your ankle. It makes you feel better. Okay. It does wonders. So yeah. he just walks up to this snake with chunks out of it and just pours Swedish bitters <laughs> in this snake. <laughs> and you're like, wow. wow. Um, yeah, and then like halfway through the day, he comes down and goes, oh, I need a pitchfork. We have pitchforks for lobbing hay around and you know all that stuff. And he walks away with a pitchfork, brings back the pitchfork. Next day, they're like, just keep an eye out for the snake. No one knows where it is. 
I'm going, well, I've Is worked, your I've, boss Larry David from Curb Your Enthusiasm? No. Because um, I can hear no. that music every story you tell me. The bomb, bomb, bomb. Well, um, I'll show you a photo of him. Ryan. I can not, probably, not, the, not the public. I can probably um, picture what he looks like. Yeah, well, he's from Holland. Other than that, I can say no more <laughs> in case... Because he, he, he'll come in, you'll go into work tomorrow. Listen to the podcast. <laughs> oh, no, no. Why are you bagging me out? No, no, no one listens to it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, the not, topic not from, of today. Not, not yeah. Um, before we crack into that, there's a few things that happened in the world. But by the time this releases, probably a few weeks ago. We should have like sting music or something, you know, yeah. like. <laughs> News update. I could probably quit. How about sting music? Like, you know, a sting. Like, dee, 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 dee. I'm not saying... Oh, I, I, in my head, it was like, sting. Oh, every every breath breath no, no, like, <laughs> sting, as in like a sting. <laughs> dee, 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 yeah. dee, 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 news update. But it's not a real news update because it'll be late by the time these guys hear okay. it. Okay. Delayed news update. You should check out this, this website called Not The Bee, which do a whole lot of crazy, weird news, true, true news and all that. Um, I'm not going to... They, they talk about it on their podcast a bit. But I'm not going to steal their thunder. Yeah, because they um, have like a billion people that listen to us. We have like not many. No, we have a fair few. We just have people that talk to us. Yes, talk to us, people. Please, Please. send us an email at true and the fix the true and the fictional at gmail dot com, yes. and then we can tell you all about. Legitimately, this Italian artist sold an invisible sculpture for eighteen grand, that only exists in his mind. Wow. I'll, um, make, I'll make sure I put a picture of this sculpture <laughs> on our on our Instagram. Okay. Question number one. Who? <laughs> I don't know. Some person, this guy just run up to you on the street and go, I've got a sculpture in my no. head. I'll no. sell it to you for 18 grand. <laughs> Some guy's like, okay. No, no. Like, it's like, a, it was pulling like at a, um, hang on, flicking through the article. No, it was like at a full. Um, it or, got it got a certificate and a receipt. Wow, a receipt. Yeah, <laughs> was the receipt invisible too? <laughs> it's like I bring, I'm bringing it back. Where is it? <laughs> that's not the statue. That's a different statue. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Yeah, I ran for invisible statue. Um, Gullibility. It, it was called Losono. It was called Low Invisibility. Not Sono. existing. I am is it with English translation, but yeah. <laughs> Dude, like, I mean, if you that's a one-time scam. I was going to say, do you reckon he's like, I can't believe that God believed me and bought my 18,000... That's, that's what I want to know. Mm. Is, he, is he, like, the most amazing scammer? You know what? If you're that man <laughs> who sold that sculpture, send us an email at... The Jew and the Fiction at gmail.com. But also, if you are... That statue... <laughs> or the one that bought the statue... No... I don't think, I don't think he, I think, <laughs> I couldn't, I don't think we could interview that man. I don't think I'd be able to keep a straight face. Yeah, that's true. So. It's like the doctor that, um, bought a genie lamp. Do you remember that guy? Oh, really? Yeah, like someone sold him. Was his name Aladdin? No, it was like. Jafar? Full, full, it was full, a doctor oh, in India. I don't know if it was India or it was, definitely wasn't Australia or America. Yeah, he bought, bought like this. Genie lamp for like ninety five grand or something. <laughs> I don't know if he's rubbed it yet. But <laughs> Ooh. Wow. 
How, how long are we into this episode, Jamie, so far? <laughs> Seven minutes. Nice. Um, Our record's eight, as I was listening back to the episodes before we actually get into the topic. So let's break that. You want to jump into the topic? Well, what you had? You said you had another article, right? Oh, this is just something that someone at work showed me this week. This happened like six years ago, but it was so funny. Basically, there's this Texas... Well, this war, there was. I mean, he's probably still alive. I don't know how the lawsuit ended, but he... Um, guy from Texas sued a Ford dealership after his truck ended up in ISIS's hand, like the, you know, the overseas. Yeah, with a machine gun on the back of it, and it's still got... Mike's Plumbing Mark, or something? Mark's Plumbing. <laughs> and his phone number. I have seen this picture. It literally has a... Uh, like a submachine gun, mount, a machine, like a Gatling gun mounted on yep. the back of it, and you can clearly see Mark's plumbing. Yep. Oh, four. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and pe- apparently people were ringing him up and just like abusing him, and he's going like, <laughs> "I shouldn't laugh, but wow! Imagine that's like this. That's like seven degrees separation yeah. stuff, you know? Yeah. He sold it to a dealership. The dealership sold it here and here, and then it ends up in the middle of the war on terror. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so look, it's pretty funny. I will, I will post. Yes. Um, I will post it to our Instagram. We now have an Instagram. We have an Instagram. Is, We've made it. Yes, <laughs> stories underscore podcasts is where you'll find us. Yes. Um, and if, if you if you if you're the first one to email us through a story, we'll give you a shout out on the Instagram. And the show. And um, the show. Yeah. Well, that's the idea. But yes, like us on Instagram. Check it out. And um, we will be sharing all sorts of funny photos and and articles and stuff like that that relate to the show. So yeah, we we eventually want to shy away from doing all these articles, but it's, they're interesting. It's what we you know I don't hate doing it. It's just I want to branch out a bit more. I'm working on getting some guests on, just everyday people. And look, I think a lot of people. Uh, the reason why we're getting a lot of downloads on this because it's like people like myself like to hear these short short but sweet. You could probably listen to it on your commute. Uh, interesting facts and then if you're like me you go and do a bit of a deep dive into some of the other things so you know if you find any expanses or anything like that on some of the articles or stories we've told us told uh, that we've told you guys just shoot us an email and um, we can put an update on the on the next podcast Um, yeah so today's theme is unsolved heists insert Ocean's Eleven theme I don't, don't think we can do that because we'd have to pay for that. So, yeah. yeah. How does it go again? Well, we, 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 we could just do it like um, what they did on Velocipasta. How they couldn't afford the explosion, so they just... <laughs> <laughs> Insert music. <laughs> oh, man. All right, why don't you tell us the first one, Jamie? I will. The all, Isabella all the... <laughs> Stewart Gardner Museum robbery in oh. Boston. Boston? Are you a corp? I'm not. I'm not a corp, and neither were the ones that posed as corps. <laughs> Apologize for the accent. I know that some Americans listen to us, so... Um... Yeah, they've already got enough to worry about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On the March 18th, 1990, when I was six years old, oh. two men disguised as police officers walked into the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum in Boston and told the security guard that they were responding to a call. The guard let them enter, but once inside, they handcuffed that guard and a second guard and locked them in the basement. Oh. Easy pickings. Yeah, so they got away with um, 13, 13 extremely valuable pieces of art worth $500 million. 
including Rembrandt's Storm on the Sea of Galilee. Uh, a lady and gentleman in black. She was done in 1633. Man, these are old paintings. Um, self-portrait from 1634, amongst other stuff. Um, we'll link, a, link the article in the show notes so you can get the full list there. But yeah, to, the, to this day, no one knows who the robbers were or where they hid the goods from the largest theft of private property in history. Empty... Oh, wow, so they... The frames, they, so they cut them out. They did the whole, you know, the whole cut it out of the frame. Yeah, yeah. Don't, I mean, that's easy to carry around, isn't it? It is, yeah. Put them in those poster yeah. holders. They can just pretend they went to the gift shop and bought all these pieces of yeah. replica <laughs> art. <laughs> yeah, and the, uh, well, it's pretty funny because the museum was offering a $5 million reward. Um, If you bring them back, <laughs> they're like, excuse me, there were... <laughs> I'm going to laugh pretty hard if, if these the, the, the just ended up like, you know, um, just in someone's house. Just these people, oh, I want that on my wall. Because <laughs> um, my, my old man used to, oh, still does, works for this doctor surgery out at Windsor. And it, every every single time he's planted a new plant, someone yanked, yanked it out of the ground and dragged it away. Yeah. One day he just decided to follow the trail of dirt. Oh, okay. And it went all the way... <laughs> Like, I think two blocks, and then it was sitting in someone's front yard. So someone went, I like that tree. <laughs> wow. That, that mystery was a little easier to solve then. Yes, especially <laughs> with the trail. Tell us about the Tucker Cross theft, Ryan. I shall. Well, the Tucker Cross theft. In 1955, a Bermudian man named Teddy Tucker was scuba diving in the wreckage of the San Pedro, a Spanish ship that sunk near the Florida Keys during hur- a hurricane in 1594. And he found this 22 carat gold and emerald cross. He bought it home and sold it to the government of Bermuda. And it was displayed in a museum on the island that he and his wife owned and ran for several years. However, in 1975, just before an official visit by Queen Elizabeth II, the cross was stolen and replaced with a cheap replica. Authorities don't know who stole the cross, which is considered to be the most valuable object ever found in a shipwreck, where it may be now. I say check the Queen's uh, <laughs> jewellery box. <laughs> Conveniently, Queen Elizabeth. Yeah, the second. Just yeah. solved. Problem solved. Now it's part of the crown jewels. Yeah. It's on her crown. Um, and wow. she and then she turns to the camera and winks. <laughs> End scene. It's the key to her long life. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Antwerp Diamond Heist. Ooh. The Antwerp World Diamond Centre in Belgium is the diamond exchange capital of the world, and in February 2003, it was the site of a $100 million diamond heist. Wow. A group of Italian thieves known as the School of Turin Turin, uh, broke into the underground vault of the Antwerp Diamond Centre, then protected by infrared heat detectors, sophisticated locks with 100 million possible combinations, and eight other layers of security. Despite this, the gang successfully looted 123 of the vault's 160 safes without setting off any alarms or behind or leaving behind any signs of forced entry. Security did not notice until the following day. An Italian man named Leonardo Notabartolo was convicted of being the ringleader and has since been paroled. He had rented an office in the building shortly before the robbery and used its location to gain access to the bank vault. 
but he never gave away his accomplices or the location of the diamonds. Do you think this is one of the instances like you see in movies and stuff where the security systems weren't actually real? They were just like, no, I think that's that's, that's Motion's 11 stuff right yeah. there. Well you, well, you just don't know. I mean, like, my, my, my first thought is inside job. Mm-hmm. Like, how, yeah, how else yeah, can you yeah, beat the yeah, system? Yeah, exactly. You're going to have to have someone to turn off the... Yeah. The, the internal security system yeah. is that I mean if it's a hundred million possible combinations to the and they manage to get 123 out of 150 yeah. something's going on yeah definitely and it seems it seems like they had a fall guy so yeah 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 well exactly right was yeah. he really the ringleader or was he just the patsy yeah so, anyway the next one the Plymouth mail truck robbery in August 1962 a team of criminals dressed as police officers and armed with guns ambushed a mail truck travelling from Plymouth, Massachusetts, to the Federal Reserve Bank of Boston. Another Boston one. Using an elaborate scheme involving fake highway workers and traffic detours, the men got away with $1.5 million in cash, all in small bills, all in bills smaller than $20, and only some of it recorded, in what was, at the time, the largest cash heist in history. The postal workers were blindfolded, bound and gagged, and put in the back of the truck. One of the men, authorities believe there were six of them, got in the driver's seat and drove for a while before abandoning the truck with the mailmen still inside. As Gatehouse Media's Wicked Local reports, US Postal Service inspectors work hand in hand with the state police, FBI and other law enforcement agencies and managed to uncover evidence from the homes of two criminals as well as eyewitness testimony. A grand jury indicted three suspects but the linchpin of the case, Tommy Richards, who was slated to testify against the others, disappeared mysteriously, never to be seen again. The remaining defendants were found not guilty and the money was never recovered. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder if never recovered. You know, all this money that's never recovered, do you reckon it's just out there in the desert somewhere? Buried under some dunes? Well, that's that's like um, our mutual friend Chris. His grandparents maybe great-grandparents had um like some famous gold out in aboriginal country okay like they've had they've had um permission they got had to go out there that sort of thing and like his, his granddad spent a lot of his life trying to find it mm-hmm. and they never found it but like it's the, the lure the lassiter gold i think they called it okay but um oh. should get him on to talk about that mm, if we can pull him away from his playstation <laughs> Yes, and he's, you know, almost new child. Well, yeah, I suppose that's probably more <laughs> of a reason. Maybe we can get the child. If you're that unborn child, please send us an email. <laughs> anyway, tell us about D.B. Um, Cooper. And a stolen plane. In November 1971, a cunning air pirate known as D.B. Cooper skyjacked Northwest Orient Airlines Flight 305 headed from Portland, Oregon to Seattle, Tacoma Interna- International Airport. About... 30 minutes after takeoff, Cooper told a flight attendant he had explosive devices and demanded $200,000, four parachutes, and a refueling truck upon landing at SeaTac. Indeed, once the plane landed, Cooper's requests were met, and he realized that the passengers before taking off with a pilot and a handful of crew members for his desired destination of Mexico City. However, Cooper didn't intend to complete the journey. He strapped on a parachute and from 10,000 feet in the air jumped out of the plane into the night 30 minutes after taking off from SeaTac. To this day, we do not know who D.B. Cooper was and the FBI has pres- uh, 
processed thousands of suspects in the case of America's only unsolved skyjacking. Well, Jamie, I have some breaking news for you. What? I know where Doobie Cooper is. Where is he? Fox River Penitentiary. <laughs> With Michael Schofield? With Michael Schofield, as it was revealed in <laughs> Season 1 of Prison Break, the documentary, <laughs> that D.B. Cooper actually was captured and put in Fox River Penitentiary. Yeah. So, there you go. You're welcome. Okay, switching it up. Arrests, prosecutions, but no loot. In the following five robberies, arrests were not made... Oh, arrests were made and the suspects were prosecuted, but the stolen goods were never recovered. It's always the same. Stolen goods are never recovered. The first one, Banco Central robbery in Fortaleza, Brazil. The Guinness Book World Records <clears throat> awarded this high, the heist of the title of the greatest robbery of a bank. And the plot sounds like something straight out of a movie. In 2005, a group of men rented a property and set up shop posing as a landscape company. A few blocks away from the Banco Central in Fortaleza, Brazil. They spent three months digging a tunnel about 256 feet long and 13 feet below street level from their office directly below the bank. Over the course of a weekend in August, they used the tunnel to get into the bank and manage to avoid or disable all of the bank's sensors thanks to a tip from a bank employee. From there, they broke through nearly four feet of steel reinforced concrete to enter the vault and stole five containers weighing more than 7,000 pounds and holding about $70 million worth of reels, which is a Brazilian currency. Bank employees didn't know anything that happened until they arrived at work on Monday morning, and by then the robbers had fled the area. However, they made two mistakes that led to their demise. Outside, police would later find a large amount of white powder, chalk the robbers had used to cover their fingerprints, and they nearly, nearly succeeded except for one print, their first slip. The second mistake, a member of the gang bought 10 cars at once the next day <laughs> paying cash, which raised red flags uh, in this poor region of Brazil. <laughs> Improbably, the police managed to catch up with the trailer carrying those cars in another state, and inside three of the vehicles were bundles of 50 real bills. Three dozen people were accused of participating in the heist, 26 ended up in jail for various crimes, and a few of them escaped but only about $8 million of the total amount was ever recovered, making this the biggest robbery in the history of Brazil. Wow. Wasn't that where season three of Prison Break was set? <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> well, they probably did their research. <laughs> um, but man, three dozen, like, there's a crew and then there's a crew. Yeah, that's a lot. Thirty-six. Ocean, oceans, thirty-six. It just reminds me of that. It reminds me of that scene in um, the Dark Knight at the start with the Joker, and they just keep killing off the. Yeah. You know, you're supposed to open the safe. Oh, the safe's open. Oh, you're. I'm supposed to kill the bus driver, and then they just end yeah. up being one person yeah. who takes all the money. But yeah. why would you buy ten cars the no, day it, after? It kind of makes sense. It's like, like hey, keep let, it in your pants, buddy. Let, let, let's get like um, you know, like oh, we we can get a hundred million people, so you get. You know, a hundred people involved. Well, you get, you get you're going to get a hundred million dollars. You get a hundred people involved. So what's a million that? each? Yeah. <laughs> Although, but then there's some people that get greedy, and oh, they just course. like, I want two million, three million. <laughs> and then yeah, there you go. Very <clears throat> funny. The Great Train Robbery in England. Hasn't there been heaps? Um, I I used to do a lot of train robbery. You in did. Red Dead Redemption Two. Wow. <laughs> On August 8th, 1963, a train going from Glasgow to London was ambushed on the Bridigo Railway Bridge in Buckinghamshire by a group of 15 robbers. 
who rigged the track signals to stop the train into a remote location. The robbers didn't have guns, but they did beat up the train driver before running away with over 2.6 million pounds, which is the equivalent of 61 million US dollars. Um, today. Today, but not today, depending on what the <laughs> when it was written. I hear their economy's kind of crumbling at the moment, but that's something else. They fled to a hideout, which police would later find and collect evidence from to prosecute most of the gang. However, the money was never recovered. Ringleaders were sentenced to 30 years in prison, including Ronald Arthur, Ronnie Biggs, uh, who later escaped, and Bruce Napoleon Reynolds, who went on to work as a consultant for the movie Buster. Ah, good movie. Uh, uh, Bob Hoskins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, he was in prison once, too. He Was he? With Morgan Freeman. <laughs> Uh, very no. good. Well, no, no, that's someone else. No, that's Tim Robbins. Else. Tim Robbins. Bob Hoskins was the guy who played Mario Mario in Super Mario Brothers. And um, Roger Rabbit. Yes, and he also played Shmee in Hook. Shmee. We should do a movie Shmee. show, seriously. Yes. We, we could just we do that off the cuff. There was no pausing to look yeah. that up. <laughs> um, where was I? Yeah. yeah. Um, the audio, 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 autobiography of a thief. The man behind the great train robbery in 1995. Yeah. Wow. That's what else he did. I love me a good train robbery. But again, 15 people. 15, yeah. Like, what are, you, what are you expecting? Well, I mean, maybe they just weren't multi-talented. Maybe there was one guy to do this, one guy to do that, you know. And again, they might or, have just... Or is, it, or is it a case of the, like, can I come? Yeah, sure. Oh, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll tell the police if you don't let me come. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> anyway, yeah. we're moving on to the Dunbar robbery in Los Angeles. In September 1970, 1997, sorry, at least six men stole $18.9 million in cash from the Dunbar Armoured Truck Depot in Los Angeles. The evening began at a house party at Long Beach, as they do, where they went to establish an alibi, but then sneaked out shortly thereafter, changed into black clothing and drove to the depot, entering through a side door shortly after midnight. They tied up a few of the few employees who were working and forced them to lie face down on the floor. As the LA Times reports, the armed robbers advanced on the vault area and using bolt cutters, broke the padlocks on the metal cages containing the depot's cash. Most of the the currency consisted of $20 bills destined for drop-offs at ATM machines throughout the Los Angeles area. The robbers tossed the money into metal carts, which they wheeled into the building's loading dock and dumped into a U-Haul truck that one of them had rented for the robbery. Hopefully they didn't use their real name. (laughs) Before departing, they smashed all of the security video cameras inside the depot and seized the videotapes. Smart. The U-Haul was their undoing. Somehow, a plastic taillight lens fell out at the scene, which the FBI later matched to the rented U-Haul. The mastermind, Alan Pace III, was a former security guard, security officer for Dunbar, who was very familiar with the security process, prosecutors said. He was convicted along with the rest of the group, four of whom were pled guilty, while authorities recovered about $5 in cash in the form of homes, cars, and other valuables. The remaining amount, more than $10 million, was never recovered. Or was it recovered by the police? Wink, wink. <laughs> that remi- that sort of reminds me from um, something that happened, I think, a few months ago. A guy in America went to a rent... I think it was a rental place or a car yard. Took it for a test drive. Went to a bank. Robbed the bank. Went back and tried to... Ah! Oh. <laughs> tried to buy, buy a brand new Mercedes or whatever. BMW or whatever. And he would have gotten away if he didn't try and buy the, you know, like because he just he, apparently he just went into the, the bank and he didn't go bang bang bang. He just went up to a teller and said, "I've got a gun." Gave him a note. Gave him a note. Yeah, yada yada yada. And then 
just got all the money from the teller and then got away. Um, <laughs> but then he was like, hey! <laughs> See? Greed. Yeah. Greed. See, if it was me, I would have no issue sitting on that money for at least five years. Two yeah. to five years. Yeah. And then just start be patient, using it. Yeah. Exactly. Brinks, Matt, robbery, and we're going back to the UK. Wow, that's not racist at all. What? Or just a bad accent. We're going back to the UK. <laughs> how, how is that racist? I'm white, they're white. Nothing racist <laughs> about it. <laughs> In the morning hours of November 26, 1983, six men wearing balaclavas entered a warehouse at London's Heart. Heathrow right. Airport, belong, belonging to security company Brinks Matt. The warehouse vault contained more than uh, $3 million in cash, which the robbers knew because they had help from the inside. What they didn't know was that the vault also contained more than three tons of <laughs> of gold, about 7,000 bars. Um, the armed men tied up the guards and poured gasoline on them, threatening to light a match if they didn't offer up the keys and codes to the vault. The thieves loaded the gold into a van and drove away, but they weren't free for very long. The inside man, Anthony Black, was implicated fairly quickly and squealed on his comrades. Another not-so-smart robber, Mickey McAvoy, uh, reportedly used his cut to pay cash for his house and <laughs> bought two security dogs which he named Brinks and Matt (laughs) to guard the property. He and Black's brother-in-law, Brian Robinson, were sentenced to 25 years in prison. Again. Again. (laughs) Spending the money quickly. Yeah. Serious, I get it. Look, I mean, look, if you won the lottery and you had like $10 million, of course you want to spend it. Well, most, most people that win lotto go bankrupt. Yeah. Yeah. They overcommit. Yeah, well, my, my mate, um, Old friend, um, he, his ex-girlfriend's family won lotto. Mm-hmm. And instead of, you know, buying like a house outright, they got a mortgage on a house they couldn't afford, you know, like, mm-hmm. and like, you know, they, they could afford the payments for so long and then they just... Yeah, what happens when the money runs out? Yeah. You know? Exactly. Oh, people. And the final one is called the Harry Winston Heist. The posh Harry Winston jewelry store in Paris was the scene of a twenty, uh, sorry, two thousand and eight smash and grab robbery in which four men dressed as women stormed <laughs> into the store, pushed employees and customers into the corner at gunpoint, stole almost every piece of jewelry on display, and emptied two storage cases in the back. They made a fast getaway with more than a hundred million dollars in merchandise, making it the largest jewel robbery ever in France and one of the largest in the world. The thieves appeared to have inside knowledge of the store because they knew the location of the supposedly top-secret storage boxes and referred to staff by their first names. Eight men were arrested in what the French media dubbed the steal of the century. The man believed to be the master man, Diaudi Yahawi, was sentenced to 15 years in prison, while the others received as little as nine months in jail. According to the BBC, police found $19 million worth of jewellery from the heist stuffed in a drain in the Parisian suburb of Seine-Saint-Denis, but the rest of the loot has never been recovered. There's a common theme here. Don't People spending their money quickly and <laughs> yeah. never being found, all of this stuff never yeah. being found. Uh, well, it just yeah. means they focus too much on hiding it. Yeah, not enough time on hiding themselves. Yeah, like, we have this great plan. Have you thought it 100% through? Uh, <laughs> it's, 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 it's like um, Spider-Man Homecoming. 
It's like, congratulations, you were 98% successful. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. So that's it for us on heists today. Yep. If you know of any heists that we should be talking to or have been a part of any heists, yep. send us an email at thetrueandthefictional at gmail.com. And we will sure be sure to contact you and feature and this on the show. We may even do a follow-up on good heist movies. Yeah. Some heist movie good. reviews, because there's a lot of good ones out there. There's a lot. Yeah, that's a good idea, too. But, a um, movie show one day. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. Send us send us an email, trueandthefictional at gmail.com. doesn't have to be heist-related. It can be anything at all. And uh, we will see you next time. See you next time.